You're listening to The Science of Superpowers with Tonya Dawn Reclar. Listen here, read the book, and dive into the experience. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Science of Superpowers. So glad to have you joining us again. And we have a treat for you today. Jasmine Snipes is here with us. Everyone say hello to Jasmine. Hello, Jasmine. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Very cool. And Jasmine's here because they are amazingly powerful, have incredible superpowers. But we're going to start in first and remind everybody about our current feature. The Superpower Network celebrates courageous creativity with pride, honoring LGBTQIA contributions to how we see our world, how we see each other, how we express ourselves, how we live, and how we love. In every era, every culture, and every nation, individuals challenging the status quo for an opportunity to creatively self-express make it possible for all of us. Thank you for having the courage to share you with us and inviting us to look deeper within ourselves toward what's possible. We love you. Love each other. Folks, we are here for a fabulous, fabulous conversation all about power, privilege and radical inclusion. But before we jump into that, Jasmine, what are your superpowers and how are you using them for good? Yeah, Tonya, that's a good question. So what are my superpowers? If I were like to freestyle about it, I would say that I help um, communities, folks, peeps, furry peoples, whatever, or furry animals, I should say. Um, I don't know, be lovingly accountable, um, Mm -hmm. connect the dots, um, do the work, you know, elevate voices and also do that simultaneous need to care for yourself and fill your own cup so that you can of <laughs> others. Oh, beautiful. I, I love that. And you've done that in so many amazing spaces, right? You really have a, an incredible breadth of experience. And now you're working with clients at, through your consulting firm. Um, talk to us a little bit about your journey, right? Some, some of that's been in politics. It's definitely been in the in the diversity inclusion spaces, the equity spaces. Talk to us a little bit about how you came to be here to be able to say, you know what, this is what I do. I, I that I mean, that's a walk in and of itself, just yeah. to be able to say, this is who I am and this is what I do. And, and I think so many people are in search of that right now. If you don't mind sharing your journey with that. Um right, Tonya. So wow, it's I think about it, it's still a whirlwind and a lot of it's really full circle. But uh, something my colleagues and friends and folks I facilitate to often hear me say is every start starts with a start. Like I just wasn't this. Uh, it's been a commitment and a lot of falling down and getting back up. But where I think about like my most prevalent moment of where it started, like where I was bit by the bug, I was then at the time a little girl, um, probably still a little girl internally. Um, and my mom had volunteer opportunities through her employer. And so we would do um, immunization clinics. We would do Mm. help build housing through Habitat for Humanity. We also did uh, food um, drives and stuff like that and gave stuff out to the community. And I was like, this feels good. Also something I call my, my selfish selflessness in the sense that I do this because I love it. It feels good. I have to, to feel good internally and externally. Mm. Um, I would say my past is filled with like a lot of trials and errors and learning the system and really dial, not even dialing in, just accumulating what these systems in place that are harmful had done to me and Mm -hmm. people I care about 
communities I care about. Um, I would say in high school, I went to this this leadership opportunity I was advised to go to through my Black Student Union. Harriet Galbraith recommended me to go to Unitown, which is a spinoff of Anytown. And it was run by, at the time, Calvin Terrell. And that was it. I went as a delegate. I was like, oh, we can have these conversations. We can talk about how to be inclusive. We didn't have this language then. But it was like anti-discrimination, social justice. Right. I don't even think we had social justice as the word at the mm-hmm. time. Like, here's how we be nice <laughs> and coexist as humans. And so I did that. I came back as a counselor. Life happened. I had a kid. Um, I learned a lot about my mental health and my physical health. And then by the time I was in my college for <laughs> the sixth time, um, I got a few degrees and I, um, while I was in community college was a part of a rigorous academic program. It was called student public policy forum. And so basically my history teacher was like, you would be great in this class. And I was like, I'm offended. I would be great at what, why would you great? <laughs> and so I did it. I went to the state Capitol. I got a job. I went to the nation's Capitol, got a private tour. So I was like, I'm good at talking to people and helping people. So let's just keep doing it. Ooh. So I was a legislative staff member for about nine years. And then I was, I think the term was poached, but kindly asked to join a lobbying firm. Then COVID happened. And then I was laid off and I was like, what do I do? Mm. And I had already been facilitating with the Anti-Defamation League doing um, anti-bias training for, uh, I had done some for law enforcement, but mainly students, um, uh, administrative staff and faculty. And I was like, I love to facilitate. And then I started being asked to facilitate community conversations. Um, and then I would use that skill at the Capitol. I would bring folks in. I'm like, this is your building. This is your state too. show up, show out, do what you got to do with loving accountability. Right. And so the layoff happened and, um, my friends who had announced their own consulting businesses, we're like, why don't you, you know what you're doing? You know, admin stuff, you know, people stuff, you know, customer service. You also are really good at facilitating and getting people to establish common language and meeting people where they are. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and so I did. And I started, you know, doing a lot of projects, which I actually prefer with co-facilitators, like people who have um, identities that just don't aren't the same as mine because yeah. some folks can hear different things from this person and different things from me. Mm. So I did that. I joined a great kick-ass group of consultants called Kick-Ass Consultants who do this work, right? And it's just been growing since then. And I got into community organizing too. Brilliant. Wow. I, well, because you do, right? You start peeling back some threads and you're like, oh, wait, it's connected here. It's connected here. And and I love the parallels in our journeys. I, I I had the extreme like privilege of being able to be involved with service very early on through our church in really responsible ways, right? Working with a binational mission team rather than thinking that we know what's best for the communities that we're going into and we have no affiliation with them. And that really stuck with me um, as I went forward. And similar to you, actually, it was... Um, Prior to my experience with Leadership 2000, which was, you know, re- related to the Anytown concept, um, I uh, my, my roommate brought home um, Gordon Alport's The Nature of Prejudice, and I consumed this book. And I was like, I can study this. I can know this stuff. Like, I can, wait a second, people like you, like, people are talking about this, and it's okay. Right. Right? Like, as a white I person in this country, it was like, like race? I can take I can care of myself and do That's this right. work. And, keep and it women? Clear. 
right? As a, as a female, like all of these experiences, like you said, of like, wait, hold up. Like not everybody experiences things this way. Like, wait, wait, what's mm-hmm. going on here? And so, and then having the experience of finding out people really hated me because of the color of my skin was like, what, what, what? Like, you know, that wasn't in my manual, you know, being brought up. And so it was really amazing to have a place where I could talk about it, right? And I could hear about it in a way that, you know, kind of sucked at the time, but it, it was so helpful to see those reflections and to have a place where I could get messy and kind of grow through it. And then, you know, fast forward into uh, teaching those things at ASU, even as an undergrad, because people just didn't know how to mitigate for these things in the classroom. There were huge problems at ASU at the time. And so so, so the, the involvement in the getting into counterintelligence and government and teaching it there while, you know, on your political track. So the parallels are kind of fun. Um, as I'd imagine your journey sort of twisted and turned in a lot of similar ways to mine because I was looking for solutions. Right. Right? And when you look, when you start to dig under power and privilege, it's like, you got to go all the way back to origin on a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But once you start digging, it's almost like you can't stop because you know nothing that gets built on top of those faults and fissures is going to last. And you got to keep digging, right? And so I think that that's what the pandemic did for so many people was it, it was inevitable that there are real fault lines underneath all of this. And, um, you know, we can be concerned with laying blame, but we should be instead empowering ourselves with taking responsibility for where we've been complicit and complacent in these things. But how do you do that if you don't even know how to talk about it, right? So I love right. that you're getting into these spaces and and able to do that in 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 your way, right? In the way that's right. been developed through you. And I think that's really all any of us can do. And then join together because because we mm-hmm. got kind of the same memo of now it's like bringing different voices together because we are saying a lot of the same things, but it's really important that we hear them in all kinds of different ways. Um, right. It reminds us that we're not robotic, that we're not all uniform, but we can all be equal. And so you and I had talked a little bit before um, before this episode about you know, where do where did we really feel ourselves intersecting in that power and privilege, but but the radical inclusion component. And and I think that that's an important piece to touch on, because when we talk about mm-hmm. inclusion, like, what are we talking about? Like, oh, no, everybody can come, but everybody can be there is different than way we made space for everybody. And so I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Well, I like to, though these aren't simple concepts, sometimes how we communicate can be simplified, right? I think about this analogy I received, I don't know, not too long ago, um, I was in, I think, community organizing space, and it was this analogy of a bus, right? There's this bus and there's a seat for everybody, but every seat ain't for everybody, right? So know you're lame. We Mm. also want to go to the same direction, but how we get there, how we sit there, how we be there may be different, right? And I want to touch on the term radical. I think a lot of times our our feelers go up when we hear (laughs) radical, right? Like, oh Mm -hmm. no, this is triggering language, or you're asking to actually disrupt or 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 um intellectually riot, right? (laughs) It might be all those things, right? It might be all those things. And at the same time, radical really refers to the foundation like really assessing what we're building on because mm-hmm. we're building, right? We're building, we're shifting, we're repairing. That's Sometimes right. we're eradicating and dismantling and rebuilding. But at the end of the day, there's a foundation and that's what we need to address, right? Mm-hmm. And so you talked about some things like some conversations that we're having now. Yo, folks are waking up to whiteness. Whiteness, white passing, uh, privilege, all these things. Right. 
And what I like to say is when you hear the word that doesn't whiteness or me calling in, that doesn't make whiteness inherently bad. So I give you context. What it means to me and what I want it to mean to my community is that there has been a status quo. There has been a centered identity. And things have been built with that identity in mind. So there was no room for me, all of me. Mm. And I got a lot of uncentered identities while I'm maintaining privilege, right? We see the way that I'm speaking, the way I'm able to communicate, the rooms and spaces. I've had access to. So I use it, right? As the fuel Mm -hmm. of that bus when I'm in my seats, switching back and forth on whatever lane I'm in, you know? So it's complex, but at the same time, there's an important aspect of establishing common, common language and practicing the communication part of it, which I think is probably one of the biggest parts of this work. For sure. For sure. That's um, we center around the energetic communication and sensitization components because I'm working with social impact organizations and professionals, because that's exactly where what we see is the need for being able to stand in your own conviction, truthfully, standing in your own space, knowing what that feels like. Right. I know who I am. I know what I do and I know how I know that's privilege. Right. That's power. Mm -hmm. And when we can find people that they have that inherent to them. And by empowering ourselves now, we can take a hard look at those infrastructures and those systems and the things that have occurred, the things that need to get really to to get cleaned up, honestly, like we can't continue building when this much distrust exists between us. It's impossible. No good relationship counselor would encourage it. We have to look at it. We have to listen. We have to be willing to really hear. And, and, um, when I was, um, yeah, my my undergrad, I did a thesis on how to be a white ally. My graduate degree, I did a, a thesis on how to teach issues of race to white students. And, mm. and really what I found, and I mean, that was basically six years dedicated to this developmental concept of um, almost a, a journey that I had to catalyze for myself. But what was so brilliant, and I love what you were speaking about, was um, the most valuable tool to me during that time was Dr. Janet Helms who originally had developed a black racial identity model. And when she and her sister had gone out to, to get it published, publishers didn't, they didn't really believe that there was a difference, right? They're like, what do you, what do you mean? There's a a difference in in the, in the black journey. Right. And they're like, I'm pretty sure there's a difference. So they did a white racial identity model and published this amazing book uh, called race is a nice thing to have or understanding the white people in your life. And it, it read like a little workbook, right? And, and um, you know, years later during the pandemic, I got to bring her on the show and share because in my world, she was a pioneer in providing something that I could look at developmentally and say, okay, I can follow this, right? I can, I see myself in this and, and there's room for me to grow, right? And so I love that you talked about whiteness and part of it is, is being okay saying I'm white, yeah. And that actually means something really, really important in this country specifically and in other countries, but namely in this country, that means something very specific. Right. It means that you have some idea of kind of a, a little bit about what my journey was like and, and not all of it, right? I don't, that's that's not all I am, but it is an aspect of who I am, which means that the systems were designed for me. Right. I had to work hard as an individual, but right, all of that was there. and. And so I love that you're able, that you're speaking to that and encouraging people to really dive into it because I believe that's what's on the other side of us is, is, is we can't be afraid of any of this. We can't be afraid of these social identities. We can't be afraid of the past. We have to turn around and look at it and say, 
okay, what can we learn, right? What can be done? How do we make amends and how do we build together moving forward? At least that's my shtick these days. Um, and so, so and as you come into the conversation, I'd love to hear that perspective from you. Oh, I got a hot take on it, right? <laughs> um, my good friend, who I consider a white accomplice, Malia Dunn, often refers to this, this concept of loving accountability, which means I can essentially be kind and hold you accountable. And for some folks, we don't have time and patience for that, right? Because right. whiteness has been also dangerously closely associated with and married to concepts like supremacy. That's right. Nationalism. Inherent within it because privilege Oppression. has to protect itself. Right. This is how movement and change was happening to benefit a very specific group and folks who could assimilate or pass for that group. And it's important to point that out. That's does, right. does it make you know, whiteness bad? Does it make you bad because you pass for white? No, but it sure is kind of crappy. I'm a cusser, so I'm trying not to. It sure is pretty crappy. Well, market explicit. You, you can be however you want to be. It's shitty. It is it's shitty, shitty for you to center your own discomfort and and your own status over the well-being of others and equity. It's shitty. Shitty. Um, if you stand to risk social standing and you're afraid to do that, because you don't want to talk about equity or the real things that are in the way. That's shitty. But Agreed. if you want to, I got your back. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that's where we're at, right? It's, 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 it's the need to one to, to be held accountable. So, so we do need others reflecting and going, no, just no, just no mm -hmm. complacency is not good enough. Right. I had amazing friends throughout my journey who would not let me be complacent and my relationship and love for them didn't let me be right. I was like, I can't, I can't listen to something knowing that if they were standing right next to me, I couldn't look them in the face to say, I, I sat here and listened to that or, or I watched it happen. Or, you know, I was the one following the security guards around because they were following my friends around. I was like, dude, mm -hmm. no, not okay. This is not okay. You can't do this. And the, the the matters are incredibly complex. To your point, I think that as we as we've learned in our spaces is that many people are very ready for solutions. They're very ready for guidance on how to deal with this. Like I, I since the pandemic, I mean, I've seen a readiness that I've never seen before. And I've been in this conversation for going on thirty years, right? Mm -hmm. Knowingly, formally in the conversation, which is nothing compared to people who've had the lived experience their entire lives long enough, right? Like to your right. point, like, like some, some of us don't have the time or the patience to coddle that anymore. And that creates additional fear. And, and I know it does. However, it's just like anything else, educate yourselves. If you are afraid, then start figuring out why that really is your responsibility and nobody else's. If you're feeling a little bit out of favor, you probably are right now, but that means you're identifying with the things that you don't find favorable. Why is that? Right. Mm -hmm. Who are you then? And what do you want to identify with? And how do you become that? Right. How do you develop into that? And taking some personal responsibility, which unfortunately, the very downside of privilege is, is that you didn't have to. You know and now it's coming to roost. And, and I will say that everybody who synthesized and evolved through what I call the prey filter, <laughs> which is any marginalized group, when you've had to learn how to translate yourself, how to understand others, how to understand yourself and have to do all of this conversation, you are incredibly well positioned right now for a very fluid, very abstract, very changing world because mm -hmm. your world's always look like that. Mm -hmm. 
So what I see right now is an incredible shift of power going to the hands of those who actually can navigate this world that's unfolding in front of us because it's not the world that we thought it was, right? It's not constructed in the way that we thought, and it's not going to go back into those boxes. Too many people have spoken, too many of us know. And so, so I see a really beautiful picture unfolding of what happens when you build on a system of privilege. There's a natural self-destruct mechanism and come to find out the underprivileged actually hold more of the power. Surprise. Hit it up for the global South. It used to think, I mean, there's so many things, right? Um, when I think about allyship and how we're so quick to put on that badge, that pen, right? Um, and it's like, how do you move from that performative title, that that one that has all those traps and tricks that you could slide up into centering yourself or your mm-hmm. emotions when you're confronted by discomfort or, oh, I don't know, becoming performative, all those fun traps into the concept of accomplishment, And that's not mine, right? But I sure do talk about it. I love that. Accomplishment looks like so much, right? It's not putting the burden of the labor and the education on the communities you're learning from, right? Because I'm learning from communities too, even as a person who experiences marginalization, oppression, all the isms, right? Um, It's still, right, very much like this mental and emotional flexing and stretching that has to happen, right? And to me, the accomplice is really getting better and continuously better at centering those closest to the issue. Those mostly impacted. That's what we're thinking about. We're not thinking about, you know, that pat on the back. We're not thinking about, but I'm a good ally. It's me. Mm. We're thinking about the work and how do we make shift? Mm-hmm. I, I had a guest on and, and she said it so incredibly beautifully in, in terms of looking at allyship as an active principle, right? You go to bed and you kind of have what you did that day, but you wake up with a clean slate. Again, mm-hmm. you don't get to bank the points from yesterday. Like every day, it's every moment because of the systems that that we exist in. Um, in our spaces, you know, for those of you who want to know, right? So, so what we did in our spaces is we we saw the same thing that Jasmine's speaking to, and and so making sure that we're addressing the communities who who have been harmed, right? How do you look at the companies that you're benefiting or that benefit from those communities? How do you open that conversation? How do you look at the money, the profit that's come from communities where perhaps there's been harm done or the ones that just profit off of communities and there hasn't been a natural sort of reciprocity back into those worlds? We look at those patterns, right? Those energetic incongruities and we say, okay, what is ours to do in this space? And so every program that we structured, have we thought of access and inclusion? Do we have variable pricing built in? Are we are we opening the conversations to many, many, many people? Like, what are we doing with the power we hold? If every organization, every entity looked at social impact first, like what is our social impact? Like, what are we doing that we don't, that we're not aware that we're doing? And what impact do we want to have that changes things, right? Because we start to see some of the reciprocity that's absolutely required when we understand creative principles. Mm-hmm. Like it's that simple. The other component that we looked at was, you know, we all as individuals have this natural um, kind of this, this element at the basis. It's a survival program that says protect the self at all costs. We can't get around it. It's a survival program. But what we can do is we can look at how we define the self. And so where we work with people is like, when you see yourself beyond yourself, when I cannot see separation between you and me in the sense of the humanity that we share, Mm -hmm. and I know 
that anything I do to you is done to me. I can't dehumanize you. I, I, it's just not possible because the program then protects you also. If we know ourselves as humanity, the program will protect humanity. If we know ourselves as creation, as creators, the program will protect all of that. It will show us how to create using these win-win-win principles. It is a very radical move, no doubt about it. It's a foundationally different way of looking Mm -hmm. at yourself. But I'll tell you, collectivist cultures get this. Mm -hmm. These are amazingly brilliant strategies we can learn from collectivist cultures that teach us like, actually, there is no escaping the many, the all. We are the all. We are the many and we are the one all at the same time. Yeah. Now, how do we be behave in that way, right? And that's really our dialogue in the superpower space is reminding people, actually, we are energetically connected. Right. It's impossible that, to separate us. I say the how-to is like so many ways, right? And if I think about foundational, fundamentally, what does that mean? That means, hey, honey, there's going to be discomfort. And let me take a minute. It's okay. No, not to minimize, right? Because I'm empathetic. I totally get, you know, the discomfort of some of this shit, right? But also, too, like, how are you responding to that discomfort? Is it an actual threat? Or is this just a space for me to practice? Mm -hmm. Not just. Is this Mm -hmm. a space for me to practice and make shift? That's right. about grace, right? What a, what a term. It sounds to me so cheesy sometimes, <laughs> but like really give yourself some grace and the people around you. A lot of not grace giving contributes what I see to miscommunication and the breakdown of collective uh, cultures. Beautiful. I love that. And I, and, and I love the practical approaches, right? It's like, it's like they, this is going to hurt. It is a distasteful task. I get it. And your freedom lies on the other side of it. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's the real kicker, right? Our, our fear of it is far greater than what it looks like just to walk through and say, wow, I actually didn't know that. And, and that's really where I got was like, I get that people assumed I didn't want to know, but honestly, I had literally nowhere in my paradigm to understand it. I had to reshape my whole paradigm to even understand that there was something wrong. That's how hidden it was for me. That's how it, and designed, right? Very that designed. by design. There was nowhere to What put if it? everyone knew? What if yeah. everyone knew what was actually happening? Do you think that we would be okay? Yeah. I, thing uh, I think of it's coming is like, I'm not saying that you don't have hardship. I'm not saying it's not hard. That's right. I'm not even saying it's a competition. But when you center your uncomfortable feelings over lifetimes of murder, death, and harm, that is still happening. You need to check that. That's right. That's right. And I think I think we do know. Like I, I think that's the kicker, right? When when all of the when everything kicked off with the pandemic, I'm like, look, honestly, this is just the beginning, folks. Because at some point, we're going to remember that we've been lied to about the nature of who we are. Like, mm-hmm. how angry do you think people get when they find that out? Like, this is right. not going away, folks. It, Whether it's gender, whether it's race, whether right. for you it's religion right now, whether it's orientation, whatever it is for you, get going. Yeah. Find yourself, dig under those things. Justin, my husband, I used to teach us to counter intel agents. I'm like, I don't care if you have to read a fortune cookie or your horoscope, do mm-hmm. something and self-reflect because 
this is happening, folks. And if and, and I'll talk to just the white folks out there. If you're not talking with your children about this, you are setting them up for failure. The world is not going to look kindly upon white bigoted children in the future. Not happening. Catch up. Not, not these folks, these young mind. folks I've been in schools with. If you don't catch up, you're getting left behind. You're that is exactly bad, what's happening. Left behind. And I also and it's, it's a travesty. That's not fair no. to those children. It's really not. Yeah. And I think about the bus again, right? The bus. <laughs> the bus where there's a seat for everybody. And you're like, okay, well, I'm 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 in the 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 rough seat, you know, with the spring sticking out and the tape yep. and the patches and the weird paint that doesn't quite paint the seat. And there's uh, like a slight but, smell and you yeah, know. there's a smell like my That's happening. I don't even know if I, if there's a seat where I'm supposed to be on the bus. I'm kind of just squatting here for yeah, a minute. <laughs> at this point, I'm in fetal position, not sure why I'm on the bus. I love to speak from personal experience. So like there's this concept of intersectionality. If you want to know whose idea that is and want more information, Google it. It's there and then keep Googling. Um, and also be be uh, objective in the information you receive. Learn yeah. that from college. But <laughs> I think about, you know, what if I have a lot of marginalized identities? What if I'm black? What if I'm queer? What if I'm also disabled? These are all my identities. What if I came from low income, right? What if I have a lot of trauma? What if I have mental health needs? Mm. At the same time, I have these identities that are pushed on and shoved out and spat at, right? Socially in, in, in change, they're disregarded often. I still have this privilege I can pull on, right? Mm. And I'm going to take care of those parts of myself and I'm going to honor them and I'm not going to apologize for them and I'm going to fight for them. And at the same time, there is space for me to do some kind of work. And you might not do what I do, right? You might not be on a podcast. You might not be in front of a classroom. You might not even post a black square on social media, right? But there's spot for you in this shift. That's right. That's right. Find your seat on the bus, right? Because mm-hmm. if not, you are going to get left behind. But we have voted. The global community has voted. This is not, this isn't ending. The, the level of variability that we want to self-express as, the individuated creative expressions that are coming out of these younger generations. Like if you honestly think we're going back to a binary sort of any of that, it's it's not happening. We're evolving and we want to play together. We want to create together in ways that feel good to all of us. We want Mm. to know those pieces of ourselves because there's nothing that you've experienced that doesn't touch me in some capacity. The field is, is unifying folks. It's impossible, right? We are individuated. We have our own experiences and yet we are connected. Um, It's, it's undeniable. And what we do to one, we do to all, including ourselves. And that's the, that's the real downside of privilege. And if we don't start taking some responsibility for the power that we have and holding that in ways that, that really serve where we're going, we're going to find ourselves sort of at odds with, with, with where the field is taking all of us. I see it as being inevitable at this point. Mm-hmm. My bet is all on creative intelligence at this. I, I think we're looking at an emergence of a creative economy. And those of us who are ready to play together in co-creative spaces, we are doing it, folks. And we'll, mm-hmm. we're just going to create over here and let you figure it out for yourselves. But you can learn. You can, you can educate yourselves. And if any of the conversation intimidates you, educate yourself. Just start learning. The, the the internet is a really valuable tool when you're ready to use it for your own development. Jasmine, you are amazing. JasmineSnipes.com, folks. J-A-S-M-I-N-E-S-N-I-P-E-S.com. Make sure you go and check out their work, doing amazing things, cultivating 
incredible lived experiences, work experiences, right? Shared experiences that you've been willing to connect in with others and say, hey, this isn't just about me and it gets to be about me, right? And, and that's sure a beautiful does. balance that you hold. So thank you on behalf of all of us for the work you do and your courage to self-express as you because it, it inspires all of us. So thank you, thank you, and thank you for being on the show. Yes, here's to liberation. And I think that's something where I don't like to speak for other people, but I think it's what we're craving. Beautiful. Well, I am all about speaking on behalf of other people and saying, hey, I think that we want to go this way, but you know, I'm not saying everybody always listened. <laughs> so <laughs> well, 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 I'll find my balance with that, I'm sure. But thank you so much for being on the show, Jasmine. And for all of you out there, thank you. We know these conversations matter. You have a choice about what you consume. You have a choice about what you create into choose wisely, right? Take a look at that social impact professional development training. And if you've been trying to figure out who you are, maybe it's that, right? Maybe it's that. And we can help you. We can help get you that that courage, right? That you have it already. Um, the world needs more social impact professionals who know who they are and who are willing to roll their sleeves up and get to work and do some of that that selfish selflessness, right? That where, where when we serve others, we truly do get to feel whole and complete within ourselves. So go make an effort to do that. Challenge yourself if that's an area you've been looking at and figure out where you stand in the power and privilege conversation. Don't be afraid of it. There's zero reason for that. We have resources. People are willing to help. Reach out, folks. And until then, remember who you are. We love you. Love each other. Till next time. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Director of Superpower Experts. If you're ready to activate your superpowers and turn your lifetime journey into the journey of a lifetime, go to superpowerexperts.com and get started today. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.